Hello, Stuart. Hi, Tom. Hello. Uh, Stuart, I have a question. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stuart, do you have a personality? <laughs> um, why do you? No, well, I, I asked I ask Millie because I've I've never noticed one, um, <laughs> and, and and also because we're going to talk about personality today, Stuart. And I thought right. it'd be nice if you had personal, as it were, experience of these things. Right, of having a personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sorry if the um, whole thing just goes above your head. Then uh, it's, I'm sorry, but it is what we're talking about today. Well, actually, Tom, we uh, are going to reveal both of our personalities yes. later on now in a more scientific way than the way we've yes. already been revealing them by doing this podcast for a while mm. but uh yeah we've actually both completed uh, a scientific personality questionnaire and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on yes. um but yeah today we're going to talk about the science and the studies of uh personality, personality. yes and, um, and it turns out that we both actually do have a personality yes um, yeah well at least according so. to psychometric testing i mean yeah, we, yeah. in stuart's case they had to dig for it obviously but they, yeah. um, <laughs> 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 sorry uh, uh, sorry welcome. it's a bit cruel isn't it yeah I, it is I, it I, is I, you're I, always bullying me for uh, being old uh, so that's I true and actually i may return to billing you for being old later on in the show um, welcome that. everyone to the study show my name's Stuart Ritchie from Anthropic and I'm Tom Chivers from Semaphore um, and if you enjoy the show or even if you don't to be honest then um, you know like and subscribe and uh, <laughs> tell friends and leave Apple podcast reviews and um, yeah maybe it's you, a hate listen if you, yeah, if, you exactly. want, if you want to do a hate listen and you hate our personalities then uh, you know you can still listen yeah and if you're feeling extraordinarily generous you may go and become a paid subscriber at thestudieshowpod.com especially if you hate us and want to just leave really angry comments Um, and if you do that you'll get access to not just the normal weekly scientific controversy that we talk about but also uh the slightly more even even higher level controversies that we talk about in our paid only episodes yes which we're nervous about putting out in front of the wider world um (laughs) all right yes Yes. okay so personalities there have been i mean i think people have uh, people have been trying to fit sort of classifications and frameworks onto personality for a long time i yeah i think it's fair to say that sort of the earliest versions of these were ancient well ancient civilizations you know it's going as far back as egyptian and mesopotamian but hippocrates in uh, about 400 bc was one of the first to who we can sort of trace it back to and he's um he when, when we describe people as phlegmatic or melancholic or choleric or sanguine choleric choleric it's I'd say uh, choleric probably i'd say choleric yeah i think so yeah. um it's a uh, it's a reference to hippocrates ideas of the four humors so phlegm black bile yellow bile and blood and um, so he had a categorization and also he thought he knew what the causes were yes like you had did. two high levels of of these different uh humors in your system and that, yes. that was what caused you to be the way you are in terms of your personality i think so or at least hippocrates assigned almost everything in human health i think to these four humors and i think he sort yes. of hinted at that for the personality and then galen first century id uh, another ancient greek chap said that the imbalance of um pairs of these things results in the four the four temperamental categories or personality right. types so it's more galen that brings that that, that actually sort of, sort of codifies it brings it, it to yeah. sort of a psychological sort of standpoint context yeah, i guess yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. so so if you're sanguine um if, which means you've got more blood than you should have means you're um optimistic and social and if you're choleric you um so it means you've got more cola which is the yellow bile i think it means you'd be short-tempered and irritable um if you're melancholic so too much black bile you might be analytical and quiet and phlegmatic so too much phlegm obviously uh <laughs> makes you relaxed and peaceful um 
I, I think I, yeah. that's not a correlation I've observed when I have when too much high level yeah. flame when I have a cold or something. I'm yeah, not very yeah. relaxed or peaceful. Yeah. And I, well, I think that's you know it, not just used to. I think that most scientists nowadays do not subscribe oh. to the oh, four really? humans huh. model of personality. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, <laughs> oh, interesting. I think it's fallen by the wayside somewhat, fallen out of uh, mm-hmm. out of favor. Um, although I, I was while I was reading most, I was le- I was surprised to learn that um, Ivan Pavlov of the dogs. Seem oh, to yes. so, only he thought his dogs had four basic kinds of temperance, and they did sort of correlate to these same uh, to these four things. Because obviously he's famous for the the physiological stuff about the dogs drooling when a bell goes on and all, all that sort of stuff. But I didn't know he looked at the because you know there's <clears throat> there's different kinds of psychology. There's there's the psychology where you try and work out how the average person, like the modal person, mm. behaves you know whether it's in relation to a stimulus or just how their brain works when they're uh you know thinking about something or trying to work out a problem or whatever yeah and then there's this type of psychology that we're talking about today which is differential psychology which is like why do people differ why and how do people differ from each other in their psychology um and obviously a big part of that is um, intelligence like yep. how smart people are and how quickly they can process things and all that but the part we're going to be talking about today is is personality and and that's a bit different. Okay, so one of in, in the sort of more modern um, world, I think Freud was one of the first people to really start talking about rather about personality in a uh, I would I hesitate to say a scientific way, but a non magical <laughs> way. Um, he thought our minds had three main. I don't know if of, it's non magical to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay, quite yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah but it's he's not actively invoking gods or like spirits or souls True. or anything like that. You know. Um, I uh, I suppose probably anyway yeah so he he would he would or like dualism and all that sort of stuff he would he was so he thinks there's three main bits to our mind there's the ego super ego and id and the id is the sort of primitive instinctual bit that seeks food and sex and the ego is the rational bit that makes plans and the super ego is the sort of learned the bit that sort of constructed moral bit our conscience that developed that learns the rules of society and what is right and wrong and all that sort of stuff and personality because we each have we each have these the the personality is the conflict between those three and they have uh, the, you know we each people have the, have the, the three are differently powerful in different people and so there's different levels of conflict but then freud also has this stuff about the stages of psychosexual development which affect our brains and there's the, the oral <laughs> yeah. stage the anal stage the phallic stage the latent stage and the genital stage <laughs> and it's reading. all just made up it's great isn't it yeah. it's all just it's all just, just entirely no made up. basis at all for it the 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 thing with freud is like he made lots of interesting observations and also made a lot of stuff up and the the classic quote about freud is like what is new there is not true and what is true there is not new like he yeah. he was a re- he expl- like he he explained things in in new terms that we already kind of knew mm. and then he made up loads of stuff which has kind of derailed psychology for decades yeah. Uh, and some of the stuff is actually one of my favorite things about F- Freud, which I didn't know until relatively recently, was he also thought that this kind of psychological conflict um, uh, and psycho and sort of experiences, especially experiences that you had with your parents and stuff, mm. would even explain physiological problems as well. Like he thought that asthma could be caused if you, <laughs> if you, <laughs> when you're a child, Sorry. if you go into the bedroom and observe your parents having sex and like breathing heavily the asthma would be sort of your reaction to that and you would start to breathe heavily as well and that would be that would be the cause so of your asthma weird. i mean does that like, isn't that amazing i know quite a lot of people with asthma uh, with well, freud's go, oh well they've, all if they've ever sneaked sneaked, sneaked into their parents in. bedroom at night yeah. don't you yeah. have asthma 
Anyway, on to the next, uh, <laughs> <laughs> next thing. Uh, Jung, I believe you were going to talk about Jung. Uh, uh, yes, yes. I'm certainly not going to mention any more things about asthma. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, so Jung, I think, was probably the first to think in terms of psychological types in the modern sense. I uh, mean, apologies to Galen and, and Pavlov's dogs. But um, <laughs> uh, he thought there was this basic distinction between extroverted and introverted personality types. And then he had these other dichotomies of thinking versus feeling and sensing versus intuition on top of that. And thought that people sort of varied along those lines. The extroverts are sociable and outwardly directed they gain they gain energy i I guess in some metaphorical sense and they become more more active and more excitable in the form of external stimuli whereas introverts are focused inward and they're reflective and they gain energy from thinking about stuff and being on their own and such and then when when you put it that way it's not actually that far off how people kind of in the modern scientific sense think about extroversion to introversion like it's not it's not actually crazily crazily different from from uh, the big five, as we'll come to in just a moment. Yeah, so my, my understanding of Jung is that he, more even more so than Freud in a way, he was a, had a lot of good ideas and was also completely mad. Like, I mean, he just, you know, <laughs> he, he, he notices these interesting things about, like, uh, he, he does sort of come up with sensible ways of dividing the, you know, I don't think he gets any particular empirical basis for it as far as I can see, but he, no. he comes up with these ways along which people can differ that are perfectly sensible, but then adds in a load of mad stuff about dreams being able to tell the future or t- or something yeah. like that. And the collective unconsciousness. Yeah, stuff. exactly. And yeah. we're all, all our dreams are telling us about uh, how the, the the mother and the darkness and the wolf and all the sort of other kind of what types are. You know? <laughs> yeah. People um, love that stuff though. I mean, it really appeals to a certain type of person. Uh, the, 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 uh, the most uh, uh, well-known proponent of Jungian theories these days is, is Jordan Peterson, of course. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, Famously yeah, well-rounded his... and stable person. <laughs> a, lot, <laughs> a lot of his um, stuff before he became famous, his books were kind of based on Jungian theories, the maps dragon, of mind and all about that the sort dragon, of stuff. Yeah, uh, the yeah. dragon of chaos and all that. I mean, it, 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 it's the sort of thing, <laughs> and I think there may have been influence of uh, psychedelic drugs. It's the sort of thing you might see on a, you know, on a, on a, on a trip. Yes, uh, somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I, what I don't really get with Jung, and you know, it's not as if I've spent, and may, maybe you'll know more about this. I don't know, probably not. But the um, uh, Jung has this idea of introversion as extroversion as a sort of main sort of pillar of you know sort of um, distinction. But then these other thinking versus feeling and sensing versus intuition. He just says you, even though the thinking versus feeling and sensing versus intuition are two different categories, you only get to pick one, you know? So you're, you're, they're only like, there is, I think there are six categories or anyway, basically, basically you can't be thinking and sensing or feeling. And so it's just, you, you pick <laughs> yes. one. So, so it's a you're bit, I don't really, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't really understand his thinking there, but anyway, then that move, what, what happened next was this mother and daughter pair in the early early to mid 20th century, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, um, took the Jungian sort of archetypes or Jungian, Jungian model and kind of, in a way, made it made more sense to me. Like they took those three dichotomies, extroversion, introversion, thinking, feeling, sensing, intuition, out of the fourth, which is judging and perceiving, and then, and then gave, through questionnaires, they would give people 
a, a four letter you know a lot there's there's those four categories or four pairs of categories you can be in and yeah. did it and that sort of makes it's the myers-briggs yes it's the, famous the, M- myers briggs. The, the mbti which so the, the myers-briggs type indicator is it's called um yeah. and you may well have taken this personality test at work uh listeners will probably have experienced this at some point yeah i haven't ever taken it and i, I have to admit i just sort of assumed it was basically astrology you know, there was, I have never really looked into it. I think actually, I, I was I was being a little unfair. I mean, people do call it. You know, you're, people say you've got your um, Myers Briggs type, and that's just uh, and that's um, you know, it's like it's no more interesting than 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 your uh, what's it called your um your star sign. You know what I mean? So an MBTI questionnaire, it'll ask questions like, do you prefer to work two deadlines or just whenever? Or might ask a question yes. like, at a party, do you A, interact with many, many including strangers or B, interact with a few known to you? And then, you know, each one is obviously pretty, it's pretty obviously designed to be, are you extroverted or introverted? Or are you right. judging or perceiving? Judging and perceiving for some reason means people who judge who are judging are drawn to order and organization they're decisive they're like finishing things off rather than leaving them perceiving yes. people are more comfortable with spontaneity putting off decisions open to new possibilities and changes i, I don't know why that's judging versus perceiving or what the choice of term is there but anyway yeah i think that just goes back to the union uh setup so, okay yeah. fair enough yeah so and then once you've answered these whatever it is 50 or 60 questions probably um you get a four letter description like enfj or intp which is supposed to describe your personality type and therefore how you best fit into corporate structures or other you know education yeah. systems or whatever and is so, that there's a there, these are these are specific categories right they're they're yeah. like you're, you're in that category yeah there are and 16 a, possible categories of human yeah you know. yeah so, so so all the all the different combinations of of all these different uh, um types yeah. um yeah, and and so yeah, you get things like an ENFJ is an extroverted, intuitive, feeling, judging person who's a people-focused individual living mm. in a world of people possibilities. They have excellent people skills. They like things to be well organized and will work hard at maintaining structure and resolving ambiguity. Like, they, I I find it I find it very strange to to, to talk about these sort of ca- categories, categories yeah. of person because people vary much more broadly than just being put into one of 16 different yeah, categories they, they, are, they, they sort of smooth there's actually, actually there'll be an, a, a smooth distribution of all these things rather than you are a you, you are j yeah. or p you know you you'll have you'll vary along a thing i mean so um i mean there's there, there that's one of the obvious problems that's that is you know um firstly are these particularly the best categories to divide people up into them could i if i were to instead say divide people up into angry versus calm or happy versus sad and then ask you know questions like when someone treads on your toe do you a apologize or b shout at them that sort of thing is that would that give me more information or less you know is that is that are these categories well chosen or are they just randomly yeah, selected yeah. i i don't know um but the fact that they are categories in the first place is losing information i would say yeah. about huge amounts yeah uh, uh, about people's actual variation in personality you yeah. could be very low on the you know the e one and or very high on it but you're just being put in a category of e uh or or or, or it's opposite i just i just find it very i just find it very like um anything like that in statistical analysis we've talked about this uh i can't remember in what context before but we've talked about this about if you take a take a measure and then just split it down like age you know age is a is a variable that goes all you, We're talking you know about it with, is, with tim Spector's food 
uh, food um, thirty plants thing. I think was ah one yes, right, right. How much? Yeah. How many plants a week do you eat? Like, do you eat a lot or a little? And is that all? Is that all you're interested in, or are you actually interested in the number? Because if you include the actual number, then you can have all sorts of information about. You know, every person has a different number on the on the on the continuum, yeah. uh, rather than just splitting it into a lot, a little. And I think this is actually worse than that because, like, age or how many vegetables you eat a week. Well, I suppose certainly age will be you know distributed quite. Uh, you know, there'll be roughly the same number of people in each if you divide it up by decade. You know, the, at, yeah. least, at least there'll be roughly the same number of people in each decade, broadly speaking. You know, there won't be. Um, uh, but this would be. This would be. Um, normally distributed so if you if you would say like you measure someone on extroversion towards introversion then presumably most people are about in between you know like the most common person yeah. is not incredibly extroverted or incredibly introverted but it'll be what you know what we call the normal distribution a bell curve in which most people are roughly in the middle and what you're yeah. doing here is you're splitting it into two categories right down the middle so someone who's about average could fall just slightly either side of the line and yet you'll over, over the line or under the line yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and maybe on different days we'll be in different slightly different moods and we'll fl- flip between e and i and yet we're yes. sort of saying this is some major change of category rather than a different mood on a different day you know totally. um yeah um i mean also there's some more technical problems with it which is people say it's got pretty bad test retest reliability which is you know if you take the test on monday and you get INTJ and you take the test on Friday you might end up with ENTP or something you know um right uh, uh there's some dispute about this I've uh, Adam Grant who really hates this and thinks it's astrology psychologist guy he reckons between 50 and 75 percent of people end up in different categories the second time Myers-Briggs company itself you know declare your interest and all that says it's more like 15 percent but it would say that that. yes exactly they would say that um (laughs) And of course, there's also the, I've read a uh, David Pittenger, who's um, a psychologist who used to be at Indiana, says that it doesn't. I I, I could, I'll, I'll put his the article he wrote about it in the thing, but he just says it doesn't really predict people's success at work or whatever, all the things or how well they do at different jobs, particularly well. Right. So that seems quite important. I haven't um, looked into it in extreme detail. I would be surprised if it didn't predict at all, as I say, just because of the the stuff I was talking about earlier. About like it's just mm. words describing your personality. So it seems to if it bears some relation to reality, then it should. Have some, to some degree yeah. predict, but it might not. It might not be the best, and it isn't clearly the best way of of, of doing it. Um, yeah. And and I think it is more than just a horoscope. Yeah, um, I think yeah. Well, it's absolutely more than just because like, like horoscopes are they they work as Bar- Barnum. If you heard the term Barnum statements, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you've done. You 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 sometimes enjoy being with people, but often you like to be on your own. Yes, exactly. Oh, that, um, that's me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, precisely. Yeah, but you everyone know, you, says that's me about that statement. Yeah, so it might say like you're an Aries. So you know, while you're disciplined and self-controlled on the outside, actually on the inside you're often worrisome and insecure. Like. Everyone, you know, everyone feels they're presenting a different. It's the statements that feels like they they apply to everyone. They feel feels statements that apply to everyone, but make people feel like they've sort of really uh, just directed them. And so you can do that. You can say yeah. that with. Whereas this is a bit more than that. You know, you you couldn't say um, that INTJ applies pre- incredibly precisely to uh, to everyone. And and you do get like um uh I know this will be like the twelfth podcast in a row, but I've mentioned Scott Alexander, but he did um. <laughs> surveys of both his readers so the uh, rationalist the rationalist community online nerds basically he he did a survey of his readers and the less wrong readers also and found that intjs so the um 
introverted, uh, intuitive, uh, whatever the various things are. They're ten times overrepresented among them, and uh, or or seven times among the less wrongs. And the more sort of artsy fartsy ISFJ ESFP ones were a hundred times underrepresented. It's hardly any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, yeah. so it obviously does tell you something about who they are and it's not that that it's like you like you're saying it's not that surprising right because yeah. if you ask someone do you like spending time on your own and they say yes and you go oh you know what i think you might be an introvert it's like, well, <laughs> yeah exactly, blah, exactly. Blah, bravo sherlock you know well done you yeah. mate uh, it's no but that's i mean that's a reason given that it's so obvious uh, mm. that's a reason that it is a bit annoying that the mbti because it's not the best we can do in terms no. of personality, it's so popular in uh, work context. Like even I remember back at the University of Edinburgh, where there's a lot of personality research going on. For a while, we were uh, in in um, HR, you know, like training sessions. We were asked to do the MBTI. We had people come in to do the MBTI, mm. and it's like, come on, this is one of the yeah. top places to study personality. We can do better world. than this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it reminds me of. Um, Reminds me of BuzzFeed posts. Remember, like when you do. Uh, oh yeah, which click... Simpsons character are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which Disney princess you said, but cho- chosen on which? You know how how well done pic- pictures of four to- slices of toast done to different colors, and you select them and all sort of stuff. And it went presumably job making those quizzes, right? It, did, used well, to it work was for indeed. Yeah, yeah, I did for it for a long yeah. time. Well, three years, and um, and I, and but the thing is, right? Presumably, those questionnaires, the sort of person who ends up getting Princess Jasmine, depending on the questions you know or will be will will be somewhat different on average the sort of person who ends up getting right. merida or whatever you know the, but it's the, not the best it's no. not the best way that we could measure people's personality exactly um, the, the, there was an interesting podcast with um razib khan's podcast which is another podcast that you can get on substack um he there interviewed brent roberts who yeah. is uh yeah yeah mm. um they do exist um, he interviewed Brent Roberts, who is a brilliant uh, personality psychologist and has made major contributions to, uh, and we're going to be quoting a few of his studies later on. But um, uh, he pointed out that one of the reasons people like the Myers-Briggs is that it's all very positive. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't talk about people being neurotic or low in conscientiousness or something like that. It, it talks about them as being spontaneous yeah. and, uh, and stuff like that. And so um, it's kind yeah, of good introversion is self-motivated. Out. So you're self-motivated, you're, you're, you right, draw right. energy from within so rather than you're terrified of social uh, social contact. Yeah. You know, so he like, says every piece of feedback you get from that test makes you feel validated and good. Like yeah. that, that's a, that, 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 there's some attempts to do that in other personality tests, but and I think just also because of just inertia, like once it starts to, once it starts to become, a well-known thing uh, and well-used, it, it just spreads to mm. other places too. But that is one of the major reasons that the MBTI is such a popular personality test, I think. Yeah, I think so that's probably true. We, we keep talking about uh, uh, better ways to measure personality. And we also, you know, we mentioned this kind of verbal idea of of personality. Um, uh, and that brings us to the, 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 the kind of scientific study of personality, which is the... Um, uh, instead of being based on theories that somebody just came up with, like the mm. Jungian theories, the Freudian theories, the Galenic theories, or whatever yeah. is that? What, I don't know. Is that the word you so. use? So. Um, instead of that, there are kind of data-driven theories uh, of personality in, in in psychology research. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily better or worse. I'm just saying that this is how 
psychologists tend to study personality. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume it's probably a bit better than literally right. making well, stuff up. And well, the, for the but best, the problem is know? here is that it's, it's, it's also a bit weird. So, okay. like, this is the so-called lexical hypothesis of mm. personality, which is that if you look at the way people describe other people and themselves, that is, if you literally just look at adjectives that are in the language. So, mm. take English. Look at all the adjectives that people uh, use to describe themselves yeah. and describe other people. Um, then you, you will that th- those over time have come to reveal personality traits, basically. Okay. And um, uh, uh, you know, after hundreds of years, that that's that's kind of you know of language of evolution and so on that you can find the reality of people's personalities within language. So so that's the kind of it's more of a bottom up way of doing things rather than this top down like theory driven way of 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 doing things um and uh if you look at all those words you can find clusters within the words and those clusters are words that are closely related to each other so for instance if you uh people who who rate themselves highly so if you if you just give people words and say on a scale of one to five how much does this word describe you mm-hmm. um, and so if people rate themselves highly on the word timid They'll probably rate themselves highly on the word shy and the word quiet and the word unassuming, right? So these mm. are sort of correlations between the words. Um, people who rate themselves highly on the word diligent would probably do the same for like hardworking and industrious. Yeah. Like so, so, so over if you get lots and lots of words, ask people to rate themselves on them, and then you can sort of boil them down and find that there tends to be x number and there's been debates over exactly which number but there's x number of clusters uh so-called factors um in the data and this is um this research relies very strongly on this statistical technique called factor analysis yeah which is where you're doing what i've just described which is you take a big morass of correlations between people's ratings of themselves on different words or you can it wouldn't necessarily just have to be words but questions statements you know i like mm. going to parties i yep. am the life and soul of the party you know that sort of thing yeah you rate yourself on that um and the factor analysis through many different methods many of which are uh <laughs> there are subjective and interpretive aspects into this uh, uh part of the data can reveal the structure that underlies all those correlations um and the the, the so it's a sort of it boils it down from all these different words which might be thousands of different words down to a small number of kind of what are assumed to be the 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 real driving factors that that drive why people rate themselves highly on the word timid and also the word shy and also the word quiet can i ask a philosophical question at this point which you may may like this is this is very much stewart's field of expertise so i'm learning as we go here as well well listeners um but like so is is the claim then that this is more than just a convenient so this is really is the under there is a, a described an underlying reality rather than just being a convenient statistical way which well which seems to predict things well it's sort of a, a, what's the word like a parsimonious um a sort of efficient way yeah. of, of describing it uh, rather than that, that does well predictively or are we saying that there is this sort of describes an underlying reality of our brains. Is that? I think is that different a- people uh, understand it in different ways, and uh, you know, some people have taken factor analysis a bit far and sort of assumed that it does indeed reveal a biological reality. When actually, you know, it is just a 
it's just a it's just a way of summarizing correlations really isn't it yeah. like that's that's all that's all you've got you've just got correlations you can't magic something biological from that um but the way people talk about these things and it's the same by the way in intelligence you get a bunch of intelligence tests and then do a factor analysis and uh, what's generally found there is that there's one factor that explains about half of why people differ on intelligence tests uh, mm. uh because people who are good at one type of test tend to be good uh, uh, at them all we'll um, do that another day when we want to get we'll do that another, 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 there's yeah. a whole yeah there's a whole there's a whole podcast to be done on that but um it's the same technique it's the same factor analysis thing except when you do personality you don't just find one you find like, multiple different factors um and then it, it's more of a hypothesis then like do these factors then relate to something deeper biological in our in our minds or are they just you know a representation of our sort of verbal behavior which may or may not relate to hmm. um something in the in the brain okay so tell us what the big five traits are well to, yeah. tell us how many traits are there i think i might just well, give them the well, game away the there. I mean, through, <laughs> long story short but like through the 20th century people argued there was a there's 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 all different uh conceptualizations of personality and people argue about them there was a 16 uh, personality factors uh questionnaire that you can do there's um hans Isink, to whom we'll return later on mm-hmm. um had a three-factor uh, personality test. Um, and, but the one that became sort of in the 90s uh, sort of became the standard way of thinking about personality is the, is, is the big five. And you've probably heard about the big five. Mm-hmm. Um, that is when you... The, the argument was that when you do the factor analysis on lots of different lexical data, um, you find that there are about five clusters of... Um, of 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 correlations among the 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 items as they're called so the yeah. the the questions or the the words on the test um and those clusters um can can be described and again this takes subjectivity like all you have is, is a statistical cluster you don't have it doesn't automatically pop out and say i am extroversion like that's yeah. just not like you have to humans have to come in and interpret them so there is a, a, an unfortunate amount of subjectivity in this whole thing but here, here are the five factors, and they spell out the words, depending on what order you put them in, they spell out the word canoe, or they spell out the word ocean, Very nice. uh, depending on how you do it. So I'll do canoe, right? So C is conscientiousness. So that's like words relating to how hard you work, how diligent you are, um, how organized you are, the extent to which you finish things that you've started. Okay, so that's judging so that's, and perceiving to some extent on the old... Uh, uh, th- there's there's clearly overlap there. Yeah. Um, a is agreeableness, mm-hmm. so basically how nice a person you are, how how willing you are to be nice to people, uh, how much you want to avoid conflict, how much you tend to be altruistic towards other people without necessarily getting reward yourself. Um, then N is neuroticism. Yeah. Um, uh, that's how prone to like depressive and anxious thoughts you 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 are. Um, sometimes that gets flipped into a sort of more positive sounding thing so it's emotional stability so that would be you know if you're high on emotional stability you have a low uh tendency to depressive and anxious thoughts um then e is extroversion so how much enjoy enjoyment and interest you have in other people going to parties rather than sitting alone with the book yep. in your in, in your house whatever and then the final one uh, o is openness to experience Sometimes, sometimes people call that one intellect, um, which is how much pleasure you get from new ideas, thinking about stuff, having new experiences, looking at art and things like that, uh, and generally kind of intellectualizing the world. So that's the big five, um, and 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 we, we you know we don't just use the adjectives for that. There, there are no questionnaires that specifically assess the big five. Like there's you know 
x number of questions for each of the the big five and and the 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 longer questionnaires will give lots and lots of um will give lots and lots of uh, questions for any of those for each of those factors and the idea is that if you ask more questions then you'll get a better and more detailed answer as to how people's people's personality is The Studies Show is sponsored by Works in Progress. Um, Stuart, do you enjoy eating bread? <laughs> yes, I do. And I was one of those incredibly cliched, boring people through the pandemic uh, who started making bread as well. Did you? Oh, lovely. Lovely. Yeah. I, I, I got really good at it. And then I've completely let that skill atrophy since yeah. the pandemic uh, ended. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's lovely. My, my, my dad's taken up cooking sourdough, which is actually very nice. That's, what I, made. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, the uh, point is, on Works in Progress's uh, substack for shorter pieces, worksinprogress.news, it's called Notes in Progress, they've got a really interesting piece about um, the sort of industrialization of the bread product, of, of making bread in Victorian England. It's, uh, it's, it's the sort of thing I, I love, and I think you love too, of, um, of just how unexpected... To, like you know, we think about technology changes of being like airplanes and spacecraft, yes, sending and, rockets to space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, AI and robotics, whatever. But like, actually, a method for aerating bread really improved the state of um, British um, nutrition, and for of uh, you know, the, the avoided a lot of uh, the people used to put al- uh, derivatives of aluminium in bread to bulk it out and make it look whiter. And it yeah, was just really, yeah. and people used to spend hours and hours having to they were infested with rats and beetles in the bakehouses and all these it sounded horrible anyway they found this way yeah. uh, which um of uh, forcing carbonated aerated water into the dough they could make make the bread rise without half the all the traditional long-term kneading and all sort of stuff and it made anyway it's it's, it's just yeah it's, fascinating. It's, a, it's a really nice example it's an article by phoebe arslanovich little and she it's, it's like the article we talked about a few weeks ago about cocktails like it's just a sort of everyday thing that has been massively improved by technology and you wouldn't even notice it but it's another one of these really nice articles on works in progress that points to a, 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 an important change that's been made in our everyday lives that you know things have gotten much better um, yeah. through technolo- technological advances yeah which and, you don't uh, it's really yeah which you don't yeah, notice, you wouldn't necessarily notice it. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and it's useful to reflect on that and think about other things that might improve uh, uh, as well and what lessons we can learn. So that's a that's a piece called uh, fermenting revolution. <laughs> very good. Like like fermenting, like yes, also but uh, fermenting uh, like yeast. Yes, very yeah, 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 yeah. In uh, works in progress newsletter. So that's works in progress dot news. But you can get their longer articles on works in progress dot co. Uh, and we're very pleased that works in progress uh, sponsor the study show. So thank you very much to them. Thank you very and much. Now, Back, Back to the, the show. show. We did the test, Tom. We did. We did uh, indeed. We did the big five. Yeah. Uh, a, a brief one. Uh, we didn't do like a one that has, you know, 200 uh, questions in it or anything, but we did a, we did a brief one that has, what was, it, what was it, 50 questions? Something like that, yeah. Um, something like that. So so 10 questions per factor. Yeah. And uh, how did we How did we do? Well, um, we're both pretty extroverted, it's fair to say, uh, which explains yeah, why we're doing a goddamn podcast. Um, <laughs> I suppose so. I'm, yeah. I'm at the 98th percentile of extroversion, which um, I actually go up to people at parties who are standing on their own and say, are you, are you all right? How are you doing? I, I actually try and like, you know... It's led to some terrible uh, being stuck to talking to some terribly boring people. Yeah, that, that uh, feels in, also in like past, agreeableness but... as well as extra. You know, that feels like a nice thing. That's to true. Do. That's true. <clears throat> but I, but the fact I'm at the party, I suppose, is an extroverted uh, yeah, thing. But yes, true. I love going and talking to people, and I get lots of enjoyment out of that. Um, um, 
yeah. we differ I, I very did... much on our neuroticism or our emotional stability. Yes, yes. Uh, apparently, I'm a 99th percentile for emotional stability. Like, <laughs> just doesn't we, care about anything. No, exactly. Just constantly chilled out. But I will say, right, that uh, we'll come back to this. But this, when I was doing this test, it very much made clear to me one of the problems with doing these tests, which is I think of myself as basically quite a chilled out guy. Um, like not um yeah. not someone who worries about stuff, not someone you know like it's sort of a thing I take pride in to a degree. So yeah, when it comes up, and you can tell when a question saying you know do do you sometimes get the blues? I'll obviously uh, you know do, do agree um agree five, disagree one, you know, and or neutral three, whatever. And I'll obviously pick one. So no, I'm a chilled out guy. I don't get the blues, you know. Uh, yes. And so you, I will. You can tell what the question is uh, is looking for, and you answer the one that makes you feel totally. good. You know, um, whether I actually am, you'd have to do a lot more work asking people around me to say whether I'm this, yeah. uh, like... And it's not just about you as well. Yeah. It's also about how you think other people, if they see your results, might think about you. So there's a, there's a social desirability bias as well. Hmm. Um, I knew I was going to read and, this out on a podcast for a start. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But also, if you're doing a personality test in order to get a job or something, then hmm. there's obviously going to be a big bias in the way. You're not going to say, I never do any work. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. That, conscientiousness scores must I'm be through the roof. Incredibly lazy. The work yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hate meeting now, new people. Yeah. I um, um, I think there must be a mistake here because I think of myself as less conscientious than you, but according to this, I'm higher in conscientiousness than than you. Yeah, I I uh, I, I think of myself as quite. I don't know. I don't think of myself as especially high conscientiousness. To be honest, I, I was extraordinarily no, I don't think lazy. Of you as, I don't think of you as highly conscientious, but I think of myself as less conscientious than you. I wonder if everyone um, thinks of themselves as lazy and and, and disorganized. And it's actually my my my. I think about this quite a lot, actually, um, because people tell me, "Oh God, I, you know, how do you produce all?" You know, when I was writing a lot of columns and books and things. So you know, how do you? But I'm sitting around on my ass all day doing nothing, and like <laughs> then working in a panic for forty five minutes to get something done. You know. Yes, and so my my thinking is, it from the inside everyone feels like they're constantly f- like shirking and flaking, but actually everyone's doing that, and so not so the 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 when you judge it on a percentiles basis, it doesn't take that much to not yeah, be a complete yeah, yeah. flake. And, and, and you can look at how much work people produce, and you know by mm. by their works shall shall they know them? Yes, and I suppose that's an indicator as well. Um, uh agreeableness uh i'm slightly higher in agreeableness than you which i wasn't expecting quite a lot i, I mean think yeah of myself as quite argumentative yeah i um, think of myself as quite che- uh, i think of myself as extremely sort of oh yes sir please don't you know <laughs> is everything all right or don't, don't conflict <laughs> yes. avoiding um but this says i'm 14th percentile for agreeableness and yeah, presumably that's weird. That's weird. Yeah. and then and then uh openness experience or intellect um i'm higher up than you on that which is uh what i expected uh, yeah, of course uh, you did, because you're a smart ass, a smug <laughs> smart ass. I enjoy, I'm, uh, I enjoy uh, much more like weird food than you. you do, I enjoy yeah. much more weird art and music than you. Um, you do. I, I like things that don't challenge me. Um, you like uh, boring, uh, sort of unsophisticated. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't handle the, things. Yeah. Exactly. I can't handle the high, the, the sort of high art stuff like Coldplay that you're into. And, um... <laughs> you would be. The funny thing is. I've never listened to oh, anyway. Right? Okay, let's not even get into the Coldplay debate again. Stuart loves Coldplay. You would be um, far more interested in listening to Coldplay. I, I, I would find it aversive because it's so boring, and yeah. I, I need something a bit more stimulating than that. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, okay. So there's lots of questionnaires that do that. That's the big five. Um, mm. By the way, there's a. Let's just you know we don't want to go on and on about it, but there's a there's a. Um, 
there's another model called the Hexaco, which has these five factors plus a sixth factor, which is honesty, humility, which the proponents of that agree um, believe splits out from agreeableness. It's not just part of agreeableness, mm. um, but being honest and, and hum- uh, or, is that or humble. Is that truth seeking? Is that a truth? Yeah, like- it is. It is. So hum- you know, being humble would would often involve lying about stuff like you know mm-hmm. oh i'm not that good i'm not that good whereas being honest would be like yeah i am good about good about this you know even if it might make yeah cause social problems or whatever so um that's a that's another way of conceptualizing things we'll put the link to that in the the chat that's probably the one i give to people most because i think there's a nice website and you get a nice um maybe we should have done uh, that I've been summary we should have done it. so it's just it's a longer it's a longer yeah, test. Yeah, fair enough. um and it's also a bit less well known than the big five um anyway what is the point of all this so it's fun to talk about it. It's fun to have vocabulary. Like since I've did my PhD in psychology and like was hanging around the psychology department, mm. I now talk about things. Like I say, oh, that person is very neurotic, or I mm. am very neurotic, or that person is very um, very low agreeable, low agreeable, yeah, agreeability. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a circular thing, isn't it? Because it comes from all of this comes from the way people use language verbally describe personality anyway like so, so it becomes a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy to, ex- to, to yeah, a degree yeah, doesn't it yeah. yeah totally totally um but more seriously the idea is that these are useful that they that you can give people personality tests and it'll tell you something useful about how they will do in the job if you're a potential employer for instance and mm. and the kind of the dream uh is th- to give a test that will sort people into particular kinds of occupations like you can find the perfect person to do the job that you that you want to do yeah. And that's where industrial and organizational psychology, IO psychology, um, or in the UK, we call it occupational psychology, uh, mm. comes in. There's a whole field of research into how to do the tests, what specific uh, uh, circumstances make, are more, more conducive to the tests, how that relates to ability tests as well as you know personality tests and, uh, and so on. Um, and there's lots of evidence on, you know, so... Um, uh, there was a meta-analysis in 2021 that showed that the conscientiousness factor of the big five explains a big chunk of how people do academically. Makes sense. Explains 28% of the variation in academic performance in this meta-analysis. That makes sense to me. Like if you work hard... But working hard hard is good. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's not, you know, mind-blowing stuff. Compared, by the way, in IQ in that same meta-analysis explains 64% of the variation. So like, if you have the combination of being smart and being hardworking i guess like yeah, yeah. Is, this, is this surprising yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, is, uh, it is i'm a little i don't know how surprised i am but a bit surprised to learn that iq is twice as important as um yeah I, I mean i mean maybe don't set too much store in the exact numbers no. i've definitely met people who clearly are not that smart but have made up for it by just being incredibly well organized and hardworking me too. Um, but then also uh, you meet you meet lots. I feel like I meet more people who. So actually, maybe it does make sense because I feel like I meet more people who are just super bright and have like worked out a way of getting through stuff without putting that much effort in. Like, I, uh, um, uh, not that yeah. I'm saying I was super bright, but like I, I no, certainly, certainly know that Tom. Yes, we've established that through the. Yeah. But no, we. Um, I feel like my my school career was very much i don't need to do any work because i'm bright enough and then suddenly bumping up against reality and no actually i, I need to do lots of work now actually um, work is important yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um so i think that's that's not an uncommon story is it that sort of yeah, thing. yeah. now now a lot of um psychology obviously stuff is is unreplicable but there was a 2019 study there's been some follow-ups on it as well where 
so Christopher Soto, who is a personality psychologist, took a big sample of people and just tried to just see how many of these personality links to other stuff he could replicate. And so it's things like your uh, um, your job interests and your well-being and all sorts of other things like that. Like how many of these to personality um some health outcomes, I noticed. Yes, related as well, to health things too. Yeah, 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 yeah. health things too. My heart disease. Um, and and he overall found that eighty seven percent of the things he looked at did replicate. So they were statistically significant in the same direction as the original study that he okay. was trying to replicate. That's what that, which for, is, the, for the for the for the record for the for those who don't follow the replication problems in science. It was like was it less than half replicated in the, yeah, in the big I'd mosaic say, one? I'd, I'd say about fifty fifty uh, is is what the kind of broad conclusion is from lots of replication attempts. So personality is doing a lot better than other areas of psychology like social psychology and so on, if you just look at this. However, I mean that's good that sounds like good news. But I think there's two things to say about that. First, like it's not that risky to say like does your personality predict your well being? It's not like a super risky, t- like, does your personality predict your occupational interests? Yes. If you work hard, do you do better at your job? I mean, yeah. Obvi- like, what, yeah, know. kind of obvious. It's a bit more obvious. Whereas the things that are being tested in social psychology experiments, silly as they often are, are a bit riskier than that. Like there's, there's less chance of that being true a priori. And so um, no wonder that it doesn't replicate as, but I, as, as I often, will, I, I will say, though, on on that that doesn't that's not an excuse for then getting it wrong right like, they, like of course not no, yeah, they, no. They, they 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 chose a silly thing to research some, yeah. and like gained <laughs> yes. the system so they found that something was found that something yeah. there and then it didn't turn up like what so like actually so what i'm arguing is in yeah. a perfect world where everyone did experiments absolutely perfectly and and didn't do the p hacking that we talked about in the last episode and didn't do all the kind of dodgy stuff that we know scientists do to make the results appear significant when they're not um I th- I still think the sorts of questions that would ask that would be asked in personality research would replicate more often than the sorts of questions that are asked in social and other areas of psychology. Because they, oh, you're right. Because for just Bayesian more, reasons, for Bayesian reasons, they have you have a high, higher he prior. Said it. That, yeah, 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 exactly. In, take a drink, everyone. He said we're Bayesian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can already take a drink because he's referenced Scott Alexander earlier in the podcast. That's true. Um, yeah. So, so, um, uh, so there's that. But also, there's another kind of even deeper reason, which is. If like a lot of the a lot of the things that are being replicated are assessed on questionnaires, and um, if you ask people on a questionnaire, like so, for instance, depression, is it a surprise to find that neuroticism, where you ask people like, do you often feel blue? Do you often feel down? Do you have negative thoughts? Is it that much of a, is it that much of a surprise that that correlates with depression, which is assessed by questionnaires that say things like, do you have very low mood? Like, like yeah. it's the same kind of thing. You're just asking it slightly differently. Yeah, um, it's um. So, like we said about Myers Briggs, like going so. So, do you do you like to stay at home rather than go to parties? Yes, you know, you might be an introvert. Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> right, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and so, if you just keep asking, if you keep giving people different questionnaires that have basically the same questions asked in different ways and then go oh my god this questionnaire correlates with this you're kind of getting into the the jingle jangle fallacy thing which is this idea that you know this fallacy that just because two things are named differently doesn't mean they are they're not actually just the same um you you're you're taking two constructs like depression and neuroticism and calling them two different things but actually maybe it's just the same thing like maybe if we called the fact the personality factor depression then that actually you know it would just be the you could assess it using the same questions, and it does turn out that if you if you give people a standard depression questionnaire and 
and you give people a neuroticism questionnaire, they do correlate very strongly. And so um, the neuroticism is meant to be more of a... Presumably that's sort of got more sort of emotional ability and yeah. irritability and and so on, whereas depression... Whereas depression might be of... a short-term thing as well. Like it might yeah. be like a thing that gets you for a while and then goes away and neuroticism is not supposed to do that. that but that's then... a personality versus mood is a bit of a sort of climate versus weather thing, isn't it? And drawing the... Where yes. do you draw the line between the two? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And some people who are very neurotic might have a set point, like a higher set point for depression, depressiveness, that might mean that they're more vulnerable to depression. That's how people think about it. But that's kind of confounded by the fact that it's often being assessed by self-report questionnaires that have very similar questions. So that's just something to say. There are there are ways of trying to get around that. So, for instance, some people put what's called a lie scale into a personality questionnaire. So mm. there are there are some things like, or you can put in distraction questions into your into your thing to to check if people are just making it up or are not paying attention. So you can put a question that's like. Are you a walrus? One yeah, five, or like yeah. In, in, in amongst all the questions, all the things about I enjoy going to parties and stuff, it, you can have like, I broke my arm in a skiing trip in 1993 and mm. uh, th- things like that. It's like very specific things yeah, yeah. that if if you if you rated them highly, it's probably quite unlikely that that, that specific thing happened to you. And so um, you can just chuck that person's data out of the questionnaire because they're not responding <laughs> they're just clicking, uh, properly. Tick, 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 yeah. tick, tick, yeah. You can also do so-called multi-method studies. So the idea there is that you get you you you, you yes, you get people self-report, but you also get um, maybe their spouse to do a personality questionnaire about them, hmm. uh, or their boss, or their coworkers, or their friends, or whatever. And you see, you know, sort of see what the converging picture of their personality is. Now, obviously, that has its own weaknesses too. It's expensive and hard, yeah. Because, like, just getting someone to fill in the questionnaire is very easy, but getting lots of other people to do it about them is going to double, triple the amount of time that you spend uh, doing the study and the resources that you have to spend doing the study. Yeah. Um, the ultimate way to get around that would be to develop some kind of physiological objective measure of personality i mean this is what you know francis galton who came up with the lexical hypothesis idea in the first place really wanted there to be some sort of more biological measure uh, or, or something that we could uh that, that wouldn't just rely on people talking about themselves because they could be mistaken they could be biased they could be wrong you know about their personality um I'm not sure how much progress we've made <laughs> towards that. Like, there's not like a physiological test where you can get people's skin conductance and see how they react to things, and it tells you about their personality particularly I mean, strongly. It would it would bump up, I think, quite hard against the hard problem of consciousness, because in the end, even you know, like you're asking people, are you feeling bad now, and does it, and when they say yes, that correlates with, I don't know, some some area of their brain lighting up. But you're still relying on them reporting. Yes, I feel bad now. Accurately, that you know you can you can you you can't ever. I you know I can't, you 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 can't ever be inside that person's mind and know what they are feeling. Right. Right. So I mean you, you can get around it to an extent, I'm sure, but it would be it would be quite hard to get. There'll be hard limits on how objective it could end up being, even yeah, if you had. Yeah, I mean, perfect- is, is there some kind of brain scan that we could give that reveals people's personality to some extent? I mean, I. Don't- <laughs> Uh, not yet you're start, we're starting saying. to get brain scans that can reveal the basics of like what someone is looking at hmm. um, and certainly we're nowhere near a personality related one of them yeah. um, and, and part of that might be because the personality tests that we have actually don't 
corresponds particularly strongly to biological stuff we don't really know uh that's 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 the issue so um yeah i'm i'm uh, the kind of dream of a physiological objective measure of personality is, is is a bit is a bit far uh is a bit far away i think um at the, at the moment um another thing we should talk about is whether people's personalities can change yes because the idea of personality is that it's these sort of traits that are that define a person hmm. but of course people change we know that people change uh, sometimes yeah, I, I sort uh, of assume that people become less less emotionally labile most of more emotionally stable is probably an easy, easier way of describing yes. it over time yes. you know i feel like i'm less worried less worried and more sort of rela- i have less extremes of emotion in in my middle yeah. age than yeah. i did as a child you know is that is that true is that a- well yes there's a meta-analysis quite recently that brent roberts uh, who i mentioned earlier mm. uh co-authored where they put together Loads of longitudinal studies of personality, that is, studies where you measure someone's personality and then wait X number of years, so it could be all sorts of different lengths of study, mm. uh, and then measure their personality again and see how much it's changed. And if you take all the studies that have been done, quite a lot of them have been done in the last few years, um, and put them together into one analysis very carefully, as they did in this in this study, you can you can put a, you can draw an average sort of line of where their personality goes over time and mm. uh, where the average person's personality change how much that changes over time mm. um and some things are fairly stable like agreeableness is pretty stable like it goes up a tiny bit in early life and then just it's fairly stable um uh, uh extroversion goes down a little bit conscientiousness kind of goes up and then down again over the lifespan oh, really? oh. um the big thing that goes up is is as you just said uh emotional stability so or the other way to say that would be neuroticism goes down. You get less mm. neurotic. You get more emotionally stable as you get older. And that's a really quite big effect. Older people worry about stuff less uh, <laughs> than they than they used to. Um, uh, now, obviously, this is this has changed, right? So you're still going to get people who, like their 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 average level of 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 um, of of um, neuroticism is a hell of a lot higher than someone else's, right? And so. Yeah even though it goes up and down within that person, the between person difference is still is still massive. So you get people who are very neurotic and people who are, who are less, even if they're both becoming more stable over time, someone can still be a hell of a lot more neurotic. And do you um, get, does it presumably stay, I mean, I remember from reading about with intelligence research that like you stay you stay roughly in the same area within your cohort you know like on average if you're in the 55th percentile for iq at age 20 you'll be in 55th percentile at age 80 even though your actual iq will have dropped or your actual uh, intellectual ability that's that's the same sort of thing yeah um the the um the question you're asking there is about yeah the rank order stability of uh of the of the test and yeah they they, they do indeed become uh, uh they, they do indeed like correlate over over the long term the test retest reliability um that is like if you give someone the test now and then you give them it a few years are they still uh you know at the same rank order in their in their cohort to a, to a to a large extent, I mean, it's not as high as we would want in a perfect world. Again, where we, mm. you know, these these questionnaires were absolutely perfect descriptions of people's tendencies of personality, but it's 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 pretty it's pretty decently uh, decently stable. Um, and again, I think that fits with everyday experience. Yeah, like people who are are moaners and and whingers and and worriers tend to remain that way. Yes, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Cheerful uh, people over, stay over cheerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's true. Um, the other one, by the way, is that openness tends to go down 
uh, within people uh, across their okay. uh, life. So you become a bit more Again, makes uh, sense. perhaps um, set in your ways. Yeah, you're not trying out new things all the time when you're when you're older. Yeah, um, when you're when you're young is exactly when you should be. Yeah, and you've tried them all yes. out. And you, yeah, that's that seems. To yeah, make and sense. like you, you've tried them all out now and found that actually yeah. you just want to listen to um, Ludovico Arnaudi all the time. Yes, they yeah, and haven't got they haven't got the daringness to try uh, yellow and all that sort of these things. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, if anyone wants to see what music I like, then I, on my Twitter I put a best albums of twenty twenty three fairly recently. So feel free yeah. to, to find uh, that. a sudden uh, rush. Was it a rush of blood to the head? Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> um, and the final question that we'll just briefly cover mm. is: Is this universal? Is it that you could give a Big Five questionnaire in, you know, whatever language, uh, uh, and you would get the Big Five regardless of where you go? Um, and that's, you know, that's an important question. If you want to say that this is actually something that's biological about people's, you know, brains, you 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 would want to you would want to know, or or, or maybe it's just something that's culturally influenced, uh, and that's maybe less, uh, you know, it's not this biological universal, and. If you look in sort of so-called weird countries, so Western, educated, industrialized, rich, rich, democratic, democratic yeah. countries, um, you do tend to get there's 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 pretty decent evidence that you get things like the Big Five, the Hexaco. People would argue that you can get the Hexaco, the, the sixth factor, uh, inventory in lots of different countries. How about in what, um, uh, uh, like South Korea or Japan, which are educated, industrial, rich, and, and democratic, but not necessarily Western? I think you still get it, but you get different levels uh, within it. So I think um, you. So again, it's like you. The 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 correlations among the items on the test might still come out the way they do. It's just that the level where you are. So you might have lower levels of extroversion, say. Hmm. Um, but I think I, I'm not sure if if like there's been that many like super reliable tests. And obviously, there's the language barrier too. As soon as you translate something. It is yeah. going to it is going to change a little bit in the way that um, uh, it's interpreted. So there's there is a bit of an issue there. Um, the 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 really interesting uh, study was uh, 2013 when people mm. gave gave the big five to the Chimani, who are forager farmers in the Bolivian Amazon. So they're yeah. a pre-industrialized um, civilization, and they. Um, absolutely comprehensively do not get the big five <laughs> even even if you give them a test that kind of is set up into the big five like it has questions for each of the factors and all that sort of stuff you just get two factors you get a sort of industriousness one and you get a pro-sociality one um and you don't get the big five in in, in them at all uh, or anything resembling it so that was seen as quite strong evidence that it's not a biological universal it might be something more to do with kind of modern Western industrialized society, this is the way that people yeah. differ. There was an interesting thing in that Razib Khan interview of um, Brett Roberts, Roberts. Yeah, yeah, in which he says that uh, you also find it very difficult to compare between country levels of stuff because Japanese people, for instance, who most of us would think, you know, would not think are necessarily less hardworking than the wider world, and in fact, stereotypically are harder, you know, that would yes. imagine are harder working. Uh, they wrote themselves very lowly on consci- conscientiousness. Um, right, because uh, they're comparing to something, to some different standards. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't, yeah. so you can't say, uh, you can't, you can't, I mean, the same when you do happiness questionnaires across countries, but what people, people, people are socially, uh, socially um, predisposed or programmed or some word like that to give answers 
totally. differently and you can use them for within country comparisons but not between country in any meaningful sense yeah yeah so yeah. Th- th- i think this all shows that um you know it's it, it's a much mushier field than you would want it to be uh personality um mm. uh because it relies on words and people's impressions of those words and that's always going to lead to uh problems but i think we shouldn't underestimate the fact that you know there's the, there there are now lots of fairly well-developed statistical methods for looking at this stuff and there's lots of debate and that's good there's lots of kind of um, new models and people testing things with bigger data sets all the time higher quality data sets people are doing studies of experience sampling studies now where you know people's um uh, reactions to things they're documenting them in real time you know their watch buzzes or their phone buzzes and they can react uh, to things and people are looking at how personality predicts people's everyday reaction to things so there's lots of stuff going on that's interesting people are still trying to relate it to you know particular areas of the brain we know that like all psychological traits uh personality traits are heritable that is some of their variation is related to dna variation um, or a lot of it, like something like half or something like that. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, half, half the variation, yeah. But it's, but it's been fairly tricky to pin down the specific genes, uh, mainly because we don't have huge samples who have all been given the, 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 the big five and been genotyped as well. There's, a, there's quite a lot of research on neuroticism, but that's because someone just happened to give that one item, that, that one uh, factor, questions to do with that one factor, to uh, the, the UK Biobank study where there's half a million people, So, hmm. um, but not any of the other, the other big five. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, um, it feels like a, a, a major work in progress, the field of personality yeah. uh, uh, research. And to some, to some degree with it all, I guess there's a basic underlying factor, which none of it's that surprising. Like if, if it, it should not surprise anyone yeah. that what scoring highly on a test of how hard do you work correlates to working well you know doing lots of work and doing what you know <laughs> yeah or, the, yeah or that being open to experience translates to seeking out experiences or stuff like that you know it's it, that would it's, be that would be my question for a personality researcher i'd be interested to ask brent roberts or someone that question actually like what's the most surprising result in personality uh research hmm. uh, and it might be something to do with so you know um brent has also done research on whether interventions can change your personality uh and he's found the slightly less surprising aspect that um therapy can change your neuroticism level um and that's less surprising because if neuroticism and depression are just the same sort of thing and we know that therapy can relieve depression then maybe there's it's not that surprising that it changes how people respond to a neuroticism uh, questionnaire but also that there might be changes in extroversion as well from some interventions we'll put the link to that study in the thing too so that might be more more of a surprising uh thing that you can you can really make people sort of come out of their shell somewhat and uh, and so on but but yeah um i think maybe we're underselling personality research or maybe maybe if you're the literal banana person maybe we're being too kind to it to say that a lot of it is fairly it's fairly obvious yeah but the the studies do unlike quite often on the studies show we aren't saying the studies don't show stuff like that. The, the studies do show what the studies <laughs> claim yes. to show yes. by and large. Yes. It's just that uh, when you think about it for a bit, it's not necessarily all that surprising that they, yeah. that, that yeah. personality 
is real and has effects along the ways that we talk about them. But uh, yeah, do, do one of the do one of the personality questionnaires and post your results in the uh, in the, in the, show in the, notes, in the yeah, comments. comments. We'll be interested yeah. to see. Uh, be inter- we'll post our results in the show notes as well, and uh, be interested to see what you what you find. And uh, hopefully, that's been interesting. I mean, li- this is literally an entire field of research that we're trying to summarize in an hour here, so we've probably yeah. missed lots of interesting stuff. But uh, yeah. um, so there we go. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Next time. Thanks very much, guys. Bye bye.